the greatest split in church history still haunts us today. It's one of the most significant events in the history of the world. Let's learn more about the Great Schism of 1054 on this episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Thanks for listening to Season 1 of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Should I make a Season 2? I'm going to pay attention to three things to decide if there will be another season. Downloads, feedback, and money. You can encourage Season 2 quicker if you'll do two things for me. Number one, follow the podcast on your podcast player. And then you'll get every episode for free, and I will keep you updated with the progress of Season 2. And then number two, tell a friend about the podcast and get them to listen too. The more listeners, the quicker I'll work on season two. All right, let's get to today's episode. The Great Schism of 1054 was a culmination of theological, cultural, and political differences that had been brewing for centuries between the Eastern and Western branches of Christianity. Although the split occurred in 1054, the underlying tensions had been building up for centuries, and this division has not yet been repaired. And today we still speak about Eastern and Western churches. The Western churches are primarily the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant denominations. If you're unfamiliar with this part of church history, you might be surprised that we lump those two together, but the Great Schism came 500 years before the Protestant Reformation. If you are a part of the Western Church, and I know that most of you are, you may think, depending on what tradition you grew up in, grew up in, that Roman Catholics or Protestants are really weird, and you might have difficulty understanding uh, the values and traditions of those that you think are weird. But listen, if you think they are different, try going to an Eastern Church. These are the Russian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, the Armenian Orthodox and other Orthodox churches. The division between West and East is much deeper, much older, and much more significant. I'm sure that future episodes will review similarities and differences, as well as their other significant history. But for now, let's explore five key factors that contributed to the Great Schism in 1054 between Eastern Christians and Western Christians. First of all, Let's talk about some doctrinal disputes. Theological disagreements played a central role in the Great Schism. One significant point of contention was the addition of the Philoki Clause to the Nicene Creed by the Western Church. The clause affirmed that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, whereas the Eastern Church believed that the Spirit proceeds from the Father alone. This difference in understanding of the procession of the Holy Spirit reflects broader theological disparities in the understanding of the Trinity and the relationship between the three persons. Essentially, all Christians believe in the Trinity. That's very true. But the inner workings of the Trinity is still a point of disagreement. The second key factor that I want to talk about is authority and jurisdiction. This is another critical issue that fueled the division. It was the question of authority and jurisdiction. The Western Church increasingly emphasized the authority of the Pope as the supreme head of the Church. This emphasis on papal authority clashed with the Eastern Church's belief in shared authority of the five patriarchs. That is, the patriarch, patriarchs in Rome, Constantinople, Alexandria, 
Antioch, and Jerusalem. The Pope's claim to universal jurisdiction and his involvement in the affairs of the Eastern Church created tension and resistance. There had been hundreds of years of popes exerting their power and influence in territories that the patriarchs thought they were their own territory. Maybe we can think uh, of an analogy where the pastor of First Baptist Church was trying to direct the Sunday school curriculum of First Presbyterian Church, something like that. Now think of that on a national scale when spiritual leaders are also political and sometimes military leaders. Each church is asserting its own power and justifying it by saying he has been appointed by God to lead and protect his own flock. And so that was where the tension grew. The third difference I want to look at is cultural and linguistic. The Eastern and Western churches had distinct cultural and linguistic identities. The Eastern church centered in Constantinople used Greek as its liturgical language, while the Western church centered in Rome primarily used Latin. These linguistic and then cultural differences contributed to misunderstandings and a sense of cultural alienation between the two regions. And over time, these cultural disparities fostered a dividing, a growing divide. Actually, I cannot emphasize this enough, that the language separated these two groups, and they developed their culture and theological inclinations and emphases differently. They just started asking different questions. And when you start asking different questions, you arrive at different answers. And they started worshiping differently. They had different heroes. And things just kept separating over the centuries. Next. Political divisions and the geographical separation between East and West also played a role in the schism. The Roman Empire had been divided into the Western and Eastern empires, each with its own political and cultural dynamics. In the West, the rise of the Holy Roman Empire and the prominence of the Bishop of Rome, that is the Pope, as a political figure, created a different power structure and interest compared to the Eastern Byzantine Empire. Additionally, events such as the Crusades, which were initiated by the West, strained relations between the two regions further. You can listen to the episode on the Crusades to flesh this out a bit more. Finally, let's talk about accumulated resentments. Over time, various political, cultural, and ecclesiastical conflicts had strained relations between the East and the West. Disputes over ecclesiastical jurisdiction, liturgical practice, differing approaches to spirituality had built up resentment and created an environment ripe for separation. The accumulation of these tensions reached a critical point in the 11th century. In 1054, the formal rupture between the Eastern and Western churches occurred when Pope Leo IX and Patriarch Michael I of Constantinople excommunicated each other. This symbolic act marked the beginning of of the Great Schism, separated the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church. It's important to note that the schism did not result in an immediate and complete separation, as there are still efforts toward reconciliation for several centuries. Nevertheless, the event marked the start of distinct Eastern and Western branches of Christianity, each developing its own theological, liturgical, and ecclesiastical traditions. The Great Schism of 1054 had far-reaching consequences for the history of Christianity. The division between Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic churches resulted in a distinct religious traditions with separate hierarchies, liturgical practice, theological emphases, and the theologians that just read within their own tradition and didn't learn from or they weren't challenged by the other. 
The schism influenced the development of religious, cultural, political identities across the two regions. The Eastern Orthodox Church maintained its unity and expanded its influence in regions such as Russia, Greece, and the Balkans. Meanwhile, the Roman Catholic Church remained prominent in Western Europe, with the papacy playing a significant role in political and religious affairs. Subsequent theological developments and historical events would solidify the separation between these two branches of Christianity. Today, as we reflect on the Great Schism of 1054, it's essential to approach this historical event with an understanding of the complexities and nuances involved. While theological disagreements and cultural differences played a significant role, it is crucial to remember that this division did not erase the fundamental shared beliefs of Christianity. All of us, all of us, affirm the divinity of Christ, the authority of Scripture, the centrality of the gospel message that the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus is the only hope for all of us and the only hope for the entire world. In recent decades, efforts toward dialogue, understanding, and reconciliation have emerged between the Eastern and Western churches. There has been great progress toward unity and strong relationships, but there is still much, much work to be done. If you ever have a chance to begin to understand and relate to Christians who believe and practice different than you do, I hope that you will take it. It's a great opportunity to clarify what you believe and also a great opportunity to show the love that God has given us. As Jesus said, By this shall all people know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make season two, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things, downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from season one without any advertising, plus 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.